So uh, welcome to another episode of the podcast. And my guest today is, is uh, Pastor Joel Aguilera. Uh, I, I know him uh, sometimes as Howell and sometimes as Joel. And uh, he, is a, he is a pastor uh, and, and a uh, translator uh, and many other things in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And uh, I, just, I just returned from a, a trip where uh, I was... I was with Joel for uh, about a week doing all different kinds of ministry. And, uh, and we particularly, I probably saw more, uh, more physical healing happen in that time uh, than, than I have in any other period, like in my Christian life. And I think that was primarily, uh, primarily a lot of that was, uh, was driven, driven by, uh, Joel's desire to see people healed and also the way that that God has uh, has gifted him and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about all of that so so welcome brother thanks for taking the time to do this thank you brother for having me yeah so uh give us a little bit of your of your background like how you grew up uh how you became a Christian and got into ministry just a little bit of uh of uh your life story so people get a context uh, well, I grew up in a Christian home, and I remember when I turned nine years old, I started preparing my own messages, like my sermon, and because since I was a, a little child, I felt from God that um, he, he has called me to, to preach. So I started preaching the gospel when I turned 10, and I remember <laughs> my church that, that is a, that is pretty unheard of here a 10 year old preacher but yeah okay. yeah I remember that it was it was like a a good move for everybody because uh, a lot of people would have come together and they would have called me the little preacher they just wanted to see that little guy standing in front and preaching to adults you know it was not normal back then and yeah it felt like the grace of God was upon me uh, since the very you know, early age. And then when I turned 12, uh, the church that I attended in my family, uh, they decided to put me on, on the leadership for the young people. But, you know, as a young man, um, I, 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 like, I found myself away from the Lord when I turned 16, 17. So I spent, I waste three years away from the Lord. But it was that time when I realized that without Christ, I could, do, I, could, I could not do anything by my own. So I needed God in my life. So when I came back to Jesus, it was like, wow, this is the real God that I preached about when I was a little guy. I mean, I preached about God, but I didn't know him, you know, as I supposed to know Christ. So... I will say that those three years were uh, very useful for me. Not that the Lord felt pleased uh, for me to be in sin, for me to be uh, not in obedience, but somehow God, wor God worked it out for good. And when I turned 19, came back to Christ, and since then I've been serving him, you know, as much as I can. And I'm 38 years old now, and it's been a tremendous blessing so far yeah and so uh tell us a little bit about your family uh how many kids do you have that kind of thing yeah uh my wife lorena 
she's a really, really nice uh, girl, a woman of God. She's serving in the ministry and the worship team, actually. She sings at church, and I am part of it as well, uh, playing the guitar, and I sing in, in church as well, and do preaching as well, and all that. And we got uh, two kids, Eliezer, who's 10 years old. He's a boy. And then Lauren Michelle, my baby girl, who's eight years old. So we are very thankful to God. So God gave me a great family. I cannot complain. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about the, the church where you serve. Uh, mm-hmm. Just what that what that looks like. The church is not a big church in terms of member membership. We, we are like 80 members in total around. And it is a Pentecostal church. It's called Christ Return Ministry. And we'll be serving God and that and that and that church for I would say 18 years now, if I'm not wrong. And uh we've seen God's hands moving in different way in that little church. But we we don't only serve in church, but God sometimes allows us to go out for around communities and rural areas and do ministry like evangelism, like crusades, praying for people for healings and deliverances. And we seeing God moving, moving in that way too. Yeah. So uh, my impression of Honduras is that there are, um, you don't have so many uh, of the kind of mega churches where you would have thousands and thousands and thousands of people, but there are a lot of smaller community kind of based churches just, just everywhere spread out over, uh, especially over the city. It seems like every every neighborhood has its own uh, his own church there. Is that correct? Yes, yes, it is correct. Yeah. Yes. So that's uh, which I, which I think in some ways is a more biblical kind of model of just the church, the church being uh, everywhere and these these small uh, kind of little little active uh, groups. And so um, when we first met about you know five or six years ago, I. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't notice as much uh, the emphasis on healing as I, as I have in the last uh, couple of trips that that I've done to Honduras. So there was there, was there anything that sparked you to to begin praying more to see, to see physical healings and more of the miraculous uh, kind of aspects of faith. Yes, uh, uh, there was a time where. Well, I've been praying God for a gift like that for many years. I would say for them, for my entire life, but not very intensive. After I started doing it uh, three years ago, I felt like that was a, a good need, and especially in communities, in small communities where people are completely abandoned by uh, by our government authorities, there was not much medical uh, medical um, care systems supplies, and some of them um, uh, have to have to have a surgery for any disease like tumors or you know kidney stones, uh, stuff like that, and it's 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 really hard for them to move to the big cities and get, get that surgery. And on top of that, they have to pay for it, which is very expensive. 
So seeing that need, I said, God, I know you're real. So why don't you uh, allow me to minister this gift for the, for the glory for you, just the entire glory, just for you, Lord. I don't care about myself. Just l- let me see these people being blessed that way. And remember that I, I started fasting and prayer uh, so hard. Suddenly, I went on a, on a trip to the north coast of, of Honduras and Pedrozula to do BBS kids ministry with a group from uh, North America. And then this lady who was the leader, she gave me the opportunity to pray over the people, over the moms and the kids for healings. And suddenly, uh, two of them came up in front and say, I had this, and then there's no more pain in my body. And then the other ladies said something uh, like similar. And then I said, what happens? What's going on here? But, but that actually uh, didn't surprise me. It was the next day that happened the same. Around four or five people got healed. And then the third day, the same thing. And then the third day, the entire week, God moved in healing in those people. And from that moment on, it's been like that always. Any place God uh, take us to preach or to pray, he, he has always something to do in the people's lives. And, well, that's been my experience so far. I mean, it's, it, just, um, it just got moving. Um, we were just vessels. We are just like, this gift is like, any other gift, you know, some people have gifts to preach, to sing, or uh, to prophesy, or to get that discerning, uh, to help as well. It is the same gift. The, the only thing we need to know is to try to minister it uh, under God's will. And to God be all the glory. Yeah, and so, um, particular, I think this was would have been... Uh like maybe five or six days ago, uh, we were, we were visiting a, a family and, uh, and the, and the man was, uh, the man, uh, told us that he had, a that he had a severe headache. It was keeping him up at night. He had had a motorcycle accident and, uh, he had, uh, he could not move his, 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 every time he moved his neck, it hurt and he had a tightness in his shoulder. Um, and, uh, I, I, prayed a nice polite prayer for, uh, for, for God to heal him. Uh, and, and then I kind of looked at you and, uh, kind of tag teamed and said, do you have anything to add? And, uh, one of the, one of the things that I noticed was that while I spoke to God about what the problem was, uh, you spoke directly to the problem about who God was, (laughs) And you, you kind of commanded, you kind of commanded the pain uh, to leave and for healing to come. And, uh, and then the next thing I know, the, the guy is like moving his neck all around. He's moving his arms and he's, he's telling us the pain is gone. And uh, that really, uh, that just really, uh, it really struck me that that moment, uh, it was just so tangible uh, the change was so tangible and, and what he was telling us was, uh, was, you know, so obviously heartfelt and, uh, and true. Uh, and so, so explain a little bit about the difference between 
just like asking God to do something and kind of using the like the command of faith. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure, sure thing. It is a pleasure for me. The um, the little experiences that I have so far in the Lord is that um, He taught me that what the Bible says in, in Ecclesiastic uh, chapter three that it says that everything has a time, you know. So there is a time to talk to God, and there is a time to speak to the to the demons, to speak to the to the spirits, to the evil spirits, to speak to the diseases. Uh, when we go to the secret place, we're not going to speak to the devil, we're speaking to the almighty God. And then, but there is a time when you have to, when you're praying, where, when you are interceding for someone, intercede for someone or pray for someone is not just saying words, but it's stepping into um, um, a field of battle, you know, battlefield where you have to be careful because there is an enemy around. So the enemy is right there. The disease is right there. So the disease needs to recognize who you are in Christ. The disease needs to um, be aware of that you're coming, not in your strength, not in your wisdom, but you're representing someone greater than you, first of all, and someone greater than them, than the than the uh, the spirits. So I was praying God one time in my house, in the living room of my house. And then I was feeling his presence, talking to him directly. I was seeing him in the spirit. And then suddenly I heard some noises around my house. And I asked God, God, who's wh what is that? And he says, those are demons. They just broke into your house. And I felt like very powerful because I was talking to the almighty one. I said, God, why don't you allow me to stand up? Because I went knee down and allow me to pray to rebuke those demons and kick them out of my house. He says, no. Why? He says, you don't have to do that. He says, the time you're going to waste on rebuking them I want you to spend that time in my presence. So my presence is so enough for them to, to leave your house. You don't have to rebuke them. Just enjoy my presence, he says. So I understood that moment that there is a time to talk to God. And when that moment comes, we need, to, we need to take advantage of it and we need to enjoy it. But when it comes to pray for someone who's sick, it's not that you're going to talk to God, but talk to that disease. Because uh, the ability to rebuke, you already got it in, in God's presence. So if you remember, if we go through all the four Gospels in the Bible, we will never find a passage that it says that Jesus had to pray for someone to be healed. He never says that Jesus had to pray for someone to be delivered. It says that Jesus spoke to the disease and rebuked it. Why was that? It was because Jesus would spend time in the presence of the Father. So when we spend time in the presence of the, of the Father, 
rebuking demons or disease, it just, it's just a reality. It's something that it has to take place. There's no choice for a disease to, to leave the body. It, it, it has to live in Jesus' name. Why? Because we, we expand our time in the secret and the presence of the Father. So I asked the Lord why his ministry was so successful in this earth. And he explained to me two things. The first one, he said, it was because I spent time with my father. I preached. I, 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 I did healings. I did deliverances. But my priority, he says, it was to be with the father. That's why Jesus would go to the mountain um, at, uh, at midnight and he would have come down early in the morning. I mean, pretty much all night long, he would spend, uh, you know, praying God. And then the second thing he explained to me was compassion. He says, everything you do has to base on the love that I gave you. If you don't do things with love, then your ministry will not succeed as supposed to be. So love is the key. Uh, prophesy, prophecies, healings, deliverances, the uh, uh, spirit of discerning, any kind of gift, the spiritual gift needs to be need to be based on the love of God. Yeah, I uh, another moment that stood out to me was uh, we were doing a church service uh, the last night that we were there, which would have been like uh, last Friday night, I think, and. Uh, there was a there was a woman that um, she could not hear in in one ear, and when you prayed for her, she said that that she could uh, that she could hear out of that ear, uh, which which is a very biblical you know the the deaf ears being opened is very a very biblical kind of thing. Um, as we were kind of moving down that that uh, line at the front of the church, just praying for different people. Uh, it seemed to me like God was directing you to certain people. Is that, do you get direction that way? Like there, that there were um, certain people that you kind of focused in on more to pray for. Is that, uh, does God give you guidance about uh, who to like, who to go to, who to pray for uh, that kind of thing? Sometimes that happened, but most of the time it got just, God just lets you pray for everybody who's in front. Uh, the only problem with God in this earth is that we are framed in a time. There is a time for everything. There is a clock running. And sometimes we don't have enough time to minister the people uh, as, 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 as they're supposed to be ministered. Uh, and, um, but um, I will say that everybody that come in front some of them have different ex uh, expectations and different level of faith. I mean, one thing that really touched my heart was when I read that Jesus felt compassion when he saw the multitude. So compassion and love is, is the key. But unfortunately, not everybody who come in front got healed because some of them say, for example, well, just another prayer for me. There was a time I remember that I prayed over a young lady, um, like, you know, uh, virtually uh, through a FaceTime. And I asked the, this lady, uh, what's wrong with you? She says, I got a pain, uh, a neck pain, and I got a uh, hip pain for several uh, months already. And I asked her, 
you got faith that the Lord can heal you right now? And she says, no. And that really surprised me. I said, why don't you have faith? She says, because there are many people that have prayed for me and I prayed a lot and nothing happened. Even so, we did a prayer in faith. I believe in that prayer. So immediately she started moving her neck and, and her hip and she got surprised and, and, and she says, wow, I feel no pain anymore. And I said, wow, thanks God. That's, that's what the faith does, I said. After 10 minutes, uh, after we, you know, hang up the, the, the phone call, after 15 minutes around, she texts me back and said, Joe, you know what? The pain is back. And I said, of course, it will come back to you. Why? Because the problem is not to, for someone to get healed. It's for someone to keep that healing. Because after the faith does its miracle, the doubt would have come to visit you, to speak to you, telling you you're not healed, you're still sick, and so, and, and so on. So the thing is to keep that healed. That's why the Bible says that the, uh, our faith uh, needs to be in Christ, and Christ is someone who remains forever. If our faith is in Christ, that means that our faith will last or got to last forever. Yeah, we uh, one of the places that that we uh, that we went and we saw God do something. I want people to know it wasn't just in church services. Uh, we were on the uh, the town dump, which with the poorest of the poor, uh, taking doing practical ministry, taking food and and that kind of thing, but also also uh, doing a church service and and praying for people up there off the back of a truck, right on the on the dump, and uh, and. And so, um, you know, even in environments like that, uh, one of the things that I think might be a, a, a key that is kind of missing in, in Canada and the U.S. is we have so many resources uh, that we have so many places that we can turn to for help that uh, God is kind of our last resort. If everything, if nothing else that man offers works, we, we turn to God, whereas in a place and a place like the dump where people just have no health care and no other options, uh, you know, the desperation that they feel uh, kind of fuels their turning to God and kind of fuels their their faith. Is that does that ring true for you? Have you observed that 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 the poorer, or the more desperate people are, the the easier it is for them to to turn to God because there are no other options? Exactly. Exactly. The most hopeless you feel, the more ready you will be to see God moving in your life. When there's no resources, unfortunately, the last resource that we go to is Christ. Even so, Christ is not like us. He doesn't keep any resentment. He doesn't say, oh, okay, since you put me in the last place, and then now, since your resources, you know, are no longer there, then you're coming to me to help you out. He's not like that. He's the, we, we will never break God's uh, feeling. He's really strong in that position. And of course, it is because he understands us. Remember what happened with the lady with the, with the blood issue. 
after she visited visited so many doctors. She spent all her money in those 12 years. But the last resource was uh, her healing, and it was Jesus. So after we visited doctors, after we spent a lot of money on treatment and stuff like that, we will never come back. We will never come to Jesus. It will be great to have resources and to have the faith as well. And to use the resources not, not to visit doctors. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong to visit doctors because medicine, it's, 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 uh, God gave the medicine. But I understood that God um, left the medicine uh, and the treatment for people that are lacking faith, that are, they got faith, but not in a, in, in a high level. So as to say, God, I know you're going to heal me from this cancer. I know you're so big, you're greater than this arthritis or any other disease, you know? So sometimes God allowed us to run out of our resources to see our faith. If there are resources, hard, hard for God to see faith in us. Yeah, and there are, uh, you know, verses in the Bible, like there's a verse in the Bible where it says, you know, that God's power was present to heal. Uh, there were times like that. And then uh, when I think of when I think of uh, Jesus in his hometown, uh, there's a verse that says that that he he could not he he healed a couple of people, but he could not do a lot there because of their lack of faith. And uh, and it says that Jesus was he was amazed at their lack of faith. And so it was shocking to them to him uh, how much faith that they lacked. And so uh, there's only two times in the Bible that I can think of when G where it says Jesus was amazed. One was that time. And then with the centurion, the Roman centurion that came, that came to Jesus, uh, it says that Jesus was amazed at his faith, that the faith that he had that Jesus could heal. And so, so I definitely want to be in that, in that group of people that, you know, uh, amazes Jesus because of my belief and not my, not my unbelief. Uh, can you, uh, can you give us some examples of some of the more dramatic, um, healings that you have seen through, through your ministry in the last couple of years? Uh, I seen so many people got healed, especially women from, I don't know if, uh, if I can explain this in, in, in English since, I'm sorry for those who are gonna be listening to this mm -hmm. interview, but uh, English is my second language. Um, uh, with problems in, in, in their wounds, that's very common, a co very common disease in Honduras. Uh, women that it's hard for, for them to get pregnant because of those problems. So I think so many ladies uh, got healed um, uh, by that. And kidney stones, uh, uh, also, um, bladder stones, uh, tumors. Uh, I had the chance to pray for this lady that had a tumor like the, the, the size of my, of my palm, of my hand. And it was, it was really hard. When you touched that tumor, it was like you were touching a rock. R really, really tough, really, really hard. And, uh, by the time we finished praying and, and we touched it again, it was very soft. 
you you, you could feel like your 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 fingers would would get uh, deeper into into her skin. It was just like like her skin that um, that uh, that uh, that was like like a ball. And then as the day went by, that skin that, that was like that started reducing reducing to anything. Now her back is completely healed. There's nothing wrong. You, 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 you see her back and you can tell that there was a tumor in that back. So uh, another man that got a uh, um, broken leg because of an accident, he had some nails and screws in her, in her leg and a lot of pain, of course. So we prayed. Immediately the pain was gone. And, and, and we got surprised because the screws, the nails were still there, but there was no pain. How come having nails, but no pain? And he started walking. He started walking slow, slow. And, and this and the fingers of, of his right hand, he could not move it. It was all like this. And then after praying, he started moving her finger. And thanks God, he's, he, he got completely healed. So there were so, so many. It's been a large number of miracles. And even so, I feel like starving for that. Uh, every single day that I pray, God, I said, don't do this for me. Because first of all, I don't deserve, I don't deserve that you hear my prayers because I'm not good enough. And people, of course, they don't deserve to be healed because we are, we, we are not good. We're not good enough so to deserve something from you, Lord. Everything God does, he does it because of his mercy. Yeah, see, do you, um, have you noticed that uh, I, I, some, some miracles seem to happen instantaneously? And then others, like gradually, what you described, like over a period of a couple of days, is uh, have you ever have you figured out why that is, or is that just something that is totally up to God? Well, some miracles need to take place uh, gradually, like cancer. If you have a sore in your body, and, and you got infection, and you got pulse and you see that sword like this big, God in that moment rebukes the cancer and the cancer leaves your body. But the consequences of it are still there. So it will take you days after days for you to, to get healed from that sore, not from cancer because you're already healed, but from that sore, it will take days because it is part of the body. I mean, God is not a, a majestic God. He doesn't, he doesn't do magic. You see, he's a, he's a creator, of course, but sometimes there are some diseases that uh, need time to, to, to get healed. Uh, for example, that example that I gave you, cancer, when it is uh, skin cancer, for example. Yeah, you... Um... Uh, one of the things that uh, one of the things that you do uh, if we're if it's a church service is you always uh, you always leave time uh, after we have prayed for people you always leave time for a testimony 
uh, for people to to kind of describe if they have been healed to describe that or to describe what they've experienced is that uh is that to build the faith of others like or uh just to give glory to god exactly it is a way to build the faith of others and also to give glory to god and that's the reason why i always ask um the person what kind of symptoms that she or he has in that moment when there is no symptom there's no there's no way to know that God healed that person. I love when they say, I got this pain, I got this, and I, and I feel this, and I feel that. After I had an interview with that person, then I can pray specifically for those things that she or he mentioned. And then after the prayer, then we try to see if the pain is still there. And have you noticed, it's so wonderful to see when people say, there's no more pain in my body. And why I encourage people to give testimony, because that way the name of Jesus is glorified and the faith of others is built up. And um, there was something else that I, I would like to add. Uh, let me see. Okay. But here's something really important to keep in mind. Not everybody that's being healed by God is willing to, to give testimony. If you remember the 10 leprosies, the 10 men with leprosy, only one came to Jesus to thank him for that healing. So the rest of it, nine of them, they just went away. So we need to keep that in mind because even though there are 20 people in that church service that got healed, but at least three or four of them, they will be giving testimony. And that's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, is there, uh, like, tell us a little bit about your, um, your spiritual disciplines. Like, I know that there is always, there is always a cost for, you know, when we step out and we serve God. Um, I think uh, a lot of times the Bible says that, that we can know Christ in the power of his resurrection and also his suffering. What I find is a lot of people, a lot of people want the resurrection. They want the power but they're not willing to uh, to embrace Christ in his suffering. So there's always a, there is a cost uh, to the person. When we serve God, it, it costs us something. Uh, grace is free, but it, but it costs to, to kind of put yourself out there uh, and, and, and serve. So, um, so I, I've noticed that uh, you are a little more, you are a little more intense than the average person than the average Christian. <laughs> Uh, so tell us about your prayer life and some of the, the cost of seeing God move. Uh, for these activities, spiritual activities like prayer, there's not a specific schedule for that. Everything we do as uh, Christians and, and servants of God, you need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives you the time, the moment, depends on the need. Depends on the circumstances. Depends on the on the atmosphere. But uh, the more you step into God's presence, the more slave you will find yourself in God. Like in my experiences, I can tell you that I started like uh, praying God for the regular twenty minutes that most of the people uh, do. 
But as, as I started enjoying his presence, I feel like, like the time was not a problem anymore for me. So then the, the, the time of prayer increases uh, up to one hour and then over an hour, two hours. And there's some, there are some times where you, uh, late at night, you go to your bed, you start praying and suddenly it's, it's, it's the next day. I mean, you pray all night long and you say, how come? Well, it because God's presence uh, controls everything, including the time. Now, something that I learned so far is that I don't have to go to God's presence to present my prayer request only or to present my desires to to do something for him. Mostly our, our priority or our, our intentions uh, need to be enjoy his presence. Sometimes we come to God with a list of prayer requests. I need this, I need that, I need this and that and so on. And the only thing God wants from us is to be still and to know that he is God. So I spent a lot of time asking God, God, please speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And he never spoken to me until a day he said to me, I will speak, I will speak to you when you learn how to keep quiet. So he's so gentleman that he will never interrupt you. If you keep talking and talking and talking, he will let you talk. But the moment you keep quiet, and you open your spirit, your mind, your mind and heart, then the Holy Spirit will start talking to you. And you'll find that and you'll find that is more worth to let the Holy Spirit talk to you than you talk to God. Sometimes we think the prayer is talking to God, and it gotta be the other way around. Let God speak into us. Because it, it is more, it is more important what is in God's heart that is in our heart. See, so, I, I do see. <laughs> so, so when we understand this, we are not we are not going to waste time as asking God to cover all our bills. So we'll know that those addiction, those little things, will be covered already by Him. So th there is so many things I would uh, that that it will be great to share with you, but I know because of the time, but uh, that's one of my, my lifestyle. Prayer doesn't have to come when, when we have a need or when we have a circumstance and when we have a, a disease that we want to be uh, healed from, but prayer needs to be a lifestyle and fasting as well. We don't have to fast or do fasting to God when we want God to move. Fasting and prayer and Bible study need to be our three uh, meals per day. That, yeah, that's, that's great advice. Uh, <laughs> do you, uh, if you, if you had something that you could share with pastors, uh, particularly pastor, you, you've probably met a lot of pastors coming from America and Canada. Uh, and uh, know a lot of pastors in 
in uh, Honduras. And this says, this says the last couple of years have been particularly tough on, on pastors. If you, if you, as we kind of bring things to a close here, if you could say one thing to encourage pastors and leaders, uh, what would it be? It will be, let's try not to be more spiritual, spiritual pastors in front of people in front of membership like sometimes we we make efforts to attend people to serve people and we don't care about the one who's in control of everything sometimes we are very focused in our ministries in our people and not the personality of Christ. So we cannot be more effective in our ministry if we're living behind God's presence. If we live in the presence of God, the little homage that we do in earth will be, will be success. It will, it will bear more fruit than keep, keep talking to people. Let's stop talking to people and let's talk more with God. That will be me, my, my advice. So please, sometimes we think that we please God for being focused on his stuff. He doesn't want us to be focused on his stuff and his ministry. He wants us to be focused on him because that's when idolatry takes place. When we worship more God's ministry, even God's, God's gift, for example, in my case, I cannot focus on the ministry of prayer and the ministry of healing and the ministry of deliverances and leaving God behind. So my focus needs to be God always. Uh, to, be, to become idolatry people, we don't, have to, we don't need to, ha to have an idol in front of us. Our wife, our kids, our family, our ministry, our gift can become that idol before God. So God's presence, God's holiness need to be our main purpose on earth. I stopped desiring things for me, for my church, for my family. And my priority desire on earth for me, it's to please God in everything I say and in everything I do. Because when we are called at the presence of God, the last day, he's not going to call us Pastor Joel, Prophet Joel, Apostle Joel. He will say, faithful servants, and the little you were faithful, and the much I will put you. You see? So before God, we're servants. There's no titles. So when we come to his presence, let's put, let's lay our crowns before his feet like the angels in, in heavens, like the ancients in heaven uh, do. So let's, let's, let's take our gift, our ministry, our, our titles that the people uh, call us, and let's just be real before him. Uh, that, that, that will be my advice for every pastor or minister of God in Canada or United States. What, let's just what? seek more God's presence. Wise words, wise words. Thank you so much, Joel, for taking the time to, to do this. 
Yeah, it's been my pleasure, uh, Pastor Mike. Thank you very much for having me. I hope these few words that we share together can be very helpful for those who are going to be listening to this uh, interview. Yes, and and uh, I hope to be back to Honduras sometime in the near future. So, <laughs> Sure thing. And remember, the more God moves, the more demands we're going to have. Probably not just being in the churches, but in open areas, because God cannot be in, enclosed in one place, but he's, he's so big. <laughs> yes. 